Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 962 with Sandy Corum. Everything that you bring to a catered event, the client needs to pay for it. Why do you want to contribute the plastic plates to them? Why are you giving them away free? If you added that up, it'd be thirty or $40,000 if you do a lot of them for a year. Why do you want to go and haul that 400 pounds of ice, get it delivered, showed up at their house, you had to make the phone calls, whatever, and you're not charging them for it? Are you ready for it? it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. For restaurants, large costs can pop up fast, but the traditional loan process is way too slow. And that's why you need to know about Zinch. Zinch is a direct lender that makes the financial process quick, convenient, and accessible. Let me tell you a little bit more about Zinch. They can fund up to $250,000 in less than two days, and all you have to do is just fill out a simple online application and provide a copy of your four most recent bank statements, and you can get an approval within 24 hours. Right now, Zinch is waiving application fees for my listeners, a value of $250. Go to FinancingThatWorks.com to get pre-qualified and to see how much financing you could get with Zinch. Loans made or arranged pursuant to a California finance lender's law license. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro, and they are launching their first time ever 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, it, more butts and seats, and that's not it. If you are interested in this, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, founder and CEO of Festive Kitchen, Sandy Corum. Sandy, are you feeling unstoppable today? Oh, absolutely unstoppable. I cannot (laughs) wait to dive into your story. I honestly love stories like yours, people who start small and Mm -hmm. scale over time. I think that's probably the secret to this business because it's it's a little margins, you know, so you, you, you can't overextend. And I'm... I don't want to put words into your mouth this early into the interview, but I have a feeling that's going to be a part of the the success Mm -hmm. to your story. I can't wait to get into it, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Don't panic, punt. Don't panic, punt. Punt. What do you mean Always been our mantra. Uh, And and I'll tell you about who I am in a little bit, but it's always been my mantra in business because from where I'm at, I'm not a restaurant owner. I'm a caterer. And it doesn't matter if you don't have the forks, the plates, the food, whatever. The guests are coming in at 7 p.m. to eat regardless. And so you better not panic. You've got to punt and make it happen. So what does punting look like in this industry? Give me an example (laughs) of a time that you had a punt. Um, On top of a building downtown Dallas, 400 guests expected. So let's paint that picture. On top of a building. Yes, rooftop. 
downtown Dallas skyscraper? Yes, reception. Okay. And uh, we were outside, and 35 minutes before the first of 300 guests were to arrive, we realized the that first we, of 300. we okay. had not rented any forks. Ooh. And so, um, so you've got to somehow punt. And in that case, I knew the emergency number of the rental company, although they were an hour away. And you get somebody in a van and you meet them halfway and they get you the forks. The forks were not there when the first guest arrived, but they were there when they were needed. Well, how do you like, how do you punt a wedding? <laughs> I'm, like, what, what happened? Well, you had hors d'oeuvres. Okay. Oh. <laughs> you had past hors d'oeuvres, so you didn't need a fork. Okay. You know, but so we had the forks by the time they needed the forks, but not when the first guest arrived, which would have been primo. Yeah, yeah. But. That's that's an example. One other would be in the middle of a very uh, high profile person's wedding. I don't mind telling you who it was Angie Harmon uh, when she got married to Jason Seahorn. What happened was that the uh, main it was outside and the water main broke, and so it was a seated dinner. So we, uh, you know, we we threw somebody uh, car keys, van keys, whatever, go get us as much water as possible to be able to serve the guests, yeah, et cetera, yeah. that kind of stuff. There's a lot of reasons why I love the restaurant industry. I, if I had to pick the the biggest reason i just think i love the people who are attracted to this industry but the Mm -hmm. second reason is definitely i love chaos Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what i'm hearing from you is that there's just like it's it's chaos but it's it's how do you find that yeah so how do you find that balance between letting it be chaos because i think it's important that it's chaos because that's we live like nature is chaos Mm -hmm. right and you want it to be natural Mm -hmm. but you also want to have control because you can't have a wedding fail right so how do you find that balance it's organized chaos uh, but it's also because you have to have the right people. You really do. Because if if you don't have the right people and they're going to panic and cry and whine and all that kind of stuff, then you're not going to get anything done. And mm. so that's the best way. I, th- that's the only way I look at it. You can tell, especially uh, from, a, from a catering perspective, if you're trying out someone new. Um, I, we try them out in a large setting when there's a lot of guests and you say, follow this person. And you can tell probably after 15 minutes if they're going to be uh, a person that you can use as wait staff later. Because if you see them standing there with their hands folded, when there's 300 guests around, you know this guy's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, good so, points, good mm-hmm. points. So where does it make sense to start sharing your story? Because I know you've been in the industry since 1991. Yes, long time. But what was going on before that? Were you working in the restaurant industry ever? No. Or the, I, have, I should say catering because you are a caterer. Yeah, yes. I have no business back, had no business background, no food background. In fact, I was a labor and delivery nurse. My degree is in nursing, okay. uh, college degree. And then, um, then had children stayed home when my kids were young until the last one was in first grade. I had great hospitality skills, really cooked great. And so I thought, oh, I'll I'll be a caterer, and knowing nothing. Um, so I jumped off the cliff into entrepreneurship, knowing zero. Well, I feel like cater. Or, sorry, uh, I feel like nursing is a very great career to get into um, for structure. Or like, you learn a lot about, but like just the body and how to be like mm-hmm. a nurse. But also the the where nursing takes place is in a very controlled environment. Mm-hmm. So you learn a lot about system process. I know you use checklists. Yes, uh, we're, I mean we're checklist standard. When, before 91 like when when did like that become a standard? oh for me i know like 
like there was an evolution in the, the world of hospitals that um, oh. they didn't always use checklists. Oh no, we uh, no we had them. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't yeah, sure yeah. when like that became oh, no. standard. Yes, yeah. you had to because yeah. you always had your you know your records. You always had your systems because if not, how are you going to look back and see what happened to that that patient? Yeah, yeah. You know, at seven o two, and it's you know the next day or whatever. Yeah, I know. I, I remember reading the checklist manifesto, and they were talking about. Um, doctors and how doctors can be very command and control and that when they started implementing checklists it it gave nurses the ability to override the doctor and say no mr or doctor so and so like we didn't like here's the checklist and doctors hated it at first because who are are these nurses to tell me what to do i'm the doctor but it's good because it creates a check and balance and it creates consistency in how we do things but where i'm going with this is what else do you do you think you learned in your career as a nurse Hmm. that said you up for success later in life oh well first of all family it always has because being a nurse never hurts but it also helps in 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 business also because just small things like is somebody really sick are they faking it Mm. uh that's number one and then also to be honest (laughs) with you we had somebody break their arm we've had somebody people get hurt we've had so many funny some funny things that have happened did you ever have to reset no 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 no. Hmm. uh so uh but that kind of thing so i think it you know, it helped yeah, in that yeah. in that field too. Got you. So, what was going on with the world of nursing that made you not want to go back to it? Because I feel like that's a very secure career, a very well paying career. Uh, it was, but I didn't like that. <laughs> I didn't like the hours. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then I just wanted to do something that was on my own. Uh, I mean, no Whoa. one in my family had ever had a. What business. didn't you like about the hours? I'm curious. Uh, oh, I had to do three to eleven, eleven to seven, the, or three twelve to hours. Oh, so the, the yeah, night shifts yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So the long and, shifts. Yeah, and there the twelve hour. And are there short just, shifts in catering? No, no, that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I have short shift, but uh, but you know, <laughs> yeah. not not then. So I just want to be want to be creative, but I'll be honest with you, I never thought that it would be what it is today. Never, ever, ever, the never. World of nursing, or you? No, your my business. business. Oh, okay. I never ever thought that it was just going to be a little hobby. You just yeah. bring in a little extra money. So you had children, three, uh, yeah, three husband. children, husband. Um, in were you finding like were the kids all grown up? Or? No, youngest one's first grade. Okay, the others in grammar school and junior high. But I just wanted to do a little something at that time. We needed a little extra income. Yeah, so I thought, oh, I'll just kids are in school now too. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and and I could be home at three o'clock. Thought so, and and um, you know I thought just wanted so. to do something, and so I started baking brownies for a hamburger uh, joint. Okay. Really a joint. Um, I remember going to a restaurant supply and I was going to buy some baking. I was just there just looking and a friend of mine who owned the burger joint saw me and said, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I think I'm going to be a caterer. He said, well, we need brownies for my restaurants. He had like four. He said, why don't you bake brownies for me? So that's how that happened. And so, but. Good to have friends. Get you started. But I didn't know anything about. I didn't know anything about, you know, the fact that you have to have a commercial kitchen, you have to be health permitted. So my first little kitchen was 100 square feet, you know, in a racquetball club up three flights of steps in this little room that had, you know, one stove and a sink. I mean, that's that's how I started because you had to be legit. Okay, so it was, uh, that was my question. Like, did you not know and learn the hard way, or did you no, go I, through the process? I went through the legit? process, yeah, to be legit. Because okay. the minute I can cater and I can 
have dinner, chef, whatever you want in your home forever, and I'm fine. The minute I go to a bank, the minute I go to a school, the minute I go anywhere else that's public, you have to have, have cook that food in a commercial kitchen. Yes. So, um, so you are a catering. You you labeled yourself as the catering yes, coach at one yes, point in your career. Uh-huh. You still, I'm sure, coach yes, people from time to time. Yes. So here you are today. <laughs> um, you started in 91. We're 20, or 32 years later. Yes. Uh, no very thing, slow. But, but I love that fact about you but uh but knowing what you know today mm-hmm. putting yourself in sandy Corum's shoes today reflecting back at the sari the sandy Corum then hmm. the the what like what advice could you give to yourself or what knowing what you know now looking to what you're doing then like what would you have done differently how would i would you have, have gotten that? systems earlier okay uh yes i would have started systems earlier but then i didn't know anyone to talk to about systems i didn't i didn't know anybody i didn't know I didn't know squat. So when did you start your system? Oh, I didn't start that till about 15 years ago. Oh, wow. So like halfway through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I start off extremely so. When I say slow and part-time, I'm talking slow and part-time. But, I didn't really kick butt till about 16 years ago. Okay. Um, what's also kind of cool about that, too, is I think the <clears throat> world started to change rapidly about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Specifically, information mm-hmm. started to flow. Oh, yeah. And I just think a lot of people who you know weren't, super successful 20, 30 years ago, didn't have access to the information. People right. held knowledge close to their chest. Like you needed to have Buku bucks in the past to go get access to those, those consultants to teach you. And they, and they guarded that information. People guarded that information because it was livelihood, yep. you know? Um, but before we get into how you started evolving mm-hmm. um, your business with systems, what, like bring us back to 1991. So you're up how many flights of stairs? <laughs> Three flights of steps in this little <laughs> tiny little uh, kitchen, and um, I remember, you know, doing. Was there the, an elevator? Uh, no, Ugh. and so I remember. Oh, and then you had to go down, to, you know, to pack. I mean, it was horrible. How long did you stay in this kitchen? Three years. Okay. <laughs> and I remember they raised the the lease to three hundred dollars. Almost had a heart attack. I mean, because you're like, oh my god, how am I going to pay for this? But and then I moved after three years and expanded. But but the thing was that it just started there, and um and. To, we, you know, I didn't do any catering really for probably four years. So, from, <laughs> even though I call myself a caterer, but you were cooking brownies for four years, basically. <laughs> so, what did that look? How, like, how, what was like the first a batch pan of, of brownies a day? A pan of brownies a day that you deliver every day. So, okay. Horrible. So, you how, how long were you? Would you be at this this uh, this? Oh, kitchen? not long. Okay. So you were out by three o'clock. <laughs> oh yeah, if when you only bake a few pans of brownies yeah. a day, that's it. You know, calling so, yourself a caterer. So, um, was it profitable then? Were you making no, money? Hell you, no, hell Okay. Um, so, what was the next evolution? Like, how did you evolve from that first gig, and what brought you out three years later? What changed? Uh, a f- someone called me. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, there was a lady that was. Um, I'm I'm, in, I'm from Dallas, and and there was a lady who had a very successful <clears throat> Asian restaurant. And we became friends uh, through another source. And she was teaching classes to Stanley Marcus, you know, Neiman Marcus, all these famous people, you know, yeah. high profile people. And uh, Asians, I've learned, um, do not bake. Th- that is not their strength. Now that Be- you mention it, I don't think of a lot. There's not a lot of Asian no, because pastries when, that are popping into my head. Right no, now. because when they cook, they you know a little this, a little that. It's quick and, and there's so, bao. 
Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a bow. I don't, uh, I think I don't bow, know. Which yes. is like the steam buns, but they steamed a lot. Right? Yeah, but that's not dessert usually. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so she would go have these classes for these high profile clients and she would go to the grocery store and buy a cake. And I was like, oh my gosh, you can't do that. I mean, you just can't do that. So she started using me. I would bake her a cake. Yeah. And after a while, she said, you know, you really need to be you really need to be a caterer and do more. And I said, yeah, but I don't know anything. And she was like, yeah, but you, you, you really need to do this. Well, she recommended me to someone and this person called me. So here's, this is, here's my first catering experience. Uh, this lady called me and said, Oh, Catherine Lou told me that you're a caterer. And I'm like, Yes. Sure. <laughs> and so she said, so uh, could you cater our holiday party for us? And I'm like, yes. And I took notes and all this kind of stuff. And the very end, I, I had enough, you know, mental uh, uh, fortitude at that time to say how many guests and it was 100 guests. So, I mean, I had never wow. done anything for 100. So bottom line is that that particular event was at someone's home. And I always like to say that um, and this is not made up this is for real um that i was the waiter the prep person the kitchen staff for 100 people for 100 people uh thank god they didn't have a bar to know what i was i wouldn't have known anything so <laughs> and i arrived uh, uh unloaded everything didn't have a van had a you know regular vehicle uh set the party up um served it the whole nine yards um, didn't know anything about uniforms, had our flower dress. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> anyway. And so then um, there was enough food at the end uh, that literally her freezer and her refrigerator were full. She could have eaten for a week. Wow. And then at the end, also, she had glass plates and, and she would say, uh, I was going to put them in the dishwasher. She's like, no, 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 everything has to be hand washed. So I like to sell. I had a party for 100. She had enough food for a week. I had to do all of this work. And then I, then so I would like to tell people, or I always ask people, what do you think I charged her a person? Per person? Well, this is also what, 1994? <laughs> no, probably 96. 96? Yeah, something, something like that, five. Per person? Oh, uh, I mean, I would hope you charge at least $100 a person. But mm, mm, $4, $4 a person. <laughs> was four. I close with what was it? Well, I'm trying to think prices then. Maybe $50 a person? Either way, no, yeah. $4 a person. Knowing what you know now, in 1996, <laughs> what would you have charged? Oh, Lord, I would have charged whatever the cost was times three and a half times. It would have probably been about, at that time, maybe $25 okay, so a person. Okay, was a little high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but either way. So $4 a person. It, that included the tax. I was really high at 100. I don't know why I was saying it. I think it's because you said they were rich. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so I've come a long way. Yeah. <laughs> that was my first experience. So um, did you make any money? Oh, absolutely. No, I lost money. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, I didn't make anything. Uh, but uh, um, I, I, st- I don't know. There was a book in town. I remember the name of the book uh, that they rated people that were vendors for weddings and and somehow my name got out and I started doing a few weddings and I they would must have, have been happy though. Yes. Well, for dollars a person, they better be fucking <laughs> Oh, happy. that person is happy. Yeah, but these, then I would start getting clients and I would say to, you know, write into this book and tell them that you had a great experience. I got reviewed in that book and, and after I got reviewed in that book, then, then uh, well, so business there's a little rates, bit of a marketing uh, yes, business, bug in there, huh? put, Business took off for weddings. Yeah. And so that's how that kind of, st- how we started. So, you know. You mentioned a, a quick uh, formula there to figure out the cost. 3.5, yeah. 3.5 times cost. Is yes. What, is that what I heard? Yes. Uh, just That's just the food. There's many more ways you should charge. Okay. And that's just a fun little fact that I want to make sure people might have picked up on in case you didn't know what to charge. Mm-hmm. Um, so move, so 
I mean, you learned that you should charge more. What else did you learn during this time? During that time, just um, I learned everything. I learned that staff was supposed to have a uniform. I learned that staff, I mean, you name it, I learned it because I didn't know. I didn't know how to rent. Every master is once a disaster. (laughs) Yes, I didn't know how to, if you had to rent plates, glasses, forks, how many do you rent per person? If you have to provide plasticware, how how, how many do you provide per person? How many napkins? You know, all that kind of stuff that goes into catering. And catering is, you know, restaurants are is is hard work catering is really hard work also because it's all mobile you have to move everything to whether it's someone's home or bank or field or whatever it is so you you know you have to have list after list after list because if you're always like to say if you're in the middle of a cow pasture and you don't have your lighters you're screwed I mean, (laughs) you know, and there's no, you know, 7-Eleven that's an hour away. Right. You know. So uh, just reflecting back, um, where we are in your timeline now, I think the year is like 1996. Something like that. Uh, You you, you did a couple more. Did you you end up getting like word of mouth leads from this event or something like that? Yeah, and I started just, my catering business started to um, evolve. Okay. And and it just kept evolving slowly because I didn't work full time. And then in uh, let's see, let me get the right year on that. So it's been probably fifteen, sixteen years ago, some seventeen years ago, which would be whatever. Uh, <laughs> I decided, oh, because we were doing a lot of events in a very um, uh, wealthy part of Dallas and that's where most of our events were for for private social clients and I I thought there was gonna that they they started asking me for things that they ate at our party and they would say I wish I could have that and it was a Santa Fe cheesecake I wish I could have that Santa Fe cheesecake can you make me one and so I was like yeah but you know how much it would cost me to make that I'm not going to make any money etc then I finally thought well maybe we could sell something out of my production kitchen by this time I was in 1400 square feet and so that's where I thought oh I'm going to have a little bit of pick up, grab and go. And I was before the grab and go. So maybe 20 years ago, 18 years ago, before the grab and go, uh, but was it, was it per order or like was somebody just ask for one, then you would like bake a, <clears throat> no, I just decided I'm going to have a few things to sell okay. in the front of my kitchen. And I was just so brilliant about it. I said I was going to do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Was there sarcasm? To, there? Yes. Monday, okay. Wednesday, Friday, we'd be open 10 to 2. I mean, okay. who would remember that? Monday, Wednesday, Day Friday, Friday, 10 to 2. <laughs> yeah. What, what an idiot. <laughs> so that was the front of our production kitchen. And I started with the Santa Fe cheesecake, which is savory. And two flavors of cookie dough balls. How did you learn how to bake? Where, like, cause I've you... just always baked. Okay. My, my grandmother, I always say I have the pie gene. She sold pies in the Depression to keep their family going. My mom is a great, is a great cook and uh, I've just always... Just picked it up. Yeah, just got always. It, got it. Yeah. Uh, so you... Monday, Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday, Friday, ten to two. You're what were you cooking? Cheesecake. What else? No, and cookie dough balls. Cookie dough. Balls. We were making frozen cookie dough balls. Well, two I think flavors. that's actually like a, kind of a brilliant idea because it's par. Or were they par baked? No, or just, they're just, the just raw dough balls. But like relatively, I mean. You're, why is that a good idea? I have ideas, but I'm curious. Uh, it's, first of all, you don't have to bake anything. Second of all, it's frozen. It keeps a long time, so you can have an inventory there and just sell it. Yeah. So, so I, if, if it doesn't it. go today, no big deal. No big deal. Yeah. And, and, the, and the Santa Fe cheesecake was frozen, too. Okay. Smart. So I said, I'm only going to sell frozen things. And my staff laughs at, me, laughs at me now because 
No, we don't just sell frozen things. <laughs> but that's how the cookie dough ball started. And we are now the cookie dough capital of Texas. We've sold 10 million cookie dough balls. Wow. We're in um, uh, a lot, a, a very, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of HEB that's in. Yeah, of course. Uh, okay, well, they own Central Markets. So we're in Central Markets all over Texas with uh, eight flavors of cookie dough balls, etc. So that's how our grab-and-go concept started for a food shop. And this was in 96. Yeah. So that was like the next evolution. So you started with uh, brownies. Mm-hmm. That evolved into a, a couple one-off yeah. catering And then gigs. a little more. How many catering gigs, gigs, gigs did you do before you started doing this, this frozen? Oh, gosh. I'm Pro- gonna, approximately. Uh, approximately. Probably uh, two a month. Okay. For how many years? <laughs> probably seven years. I'm telling okay. you, I'm a slow starter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so definitely part-time. But mm-hmm. you also, I, I, I always tell people start where you can mm-hmm. just start where you can i think sometimes especially in today's age we compare ourselves to the best but we also have <clears> access <throat> to the best we can see what's happening everywhere in the world and we say to ourselves if i'm not that forget I'm it. nothing yeah and that's just so that's far wrong. from the truth you, you got to start where you can and i think people get in trouble because they try to be that mm-hmm. on day one and they overextend they spend 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 and they don't they, they just don't have the cash flow there to sustain mm-hmm. it so like how did you know when it was time to, to add a little bit more because i thought um this is 97 90, yeah i i um was thinking you know what events are very seasonal and if i'm going to pay for this kitchen i've got to have another source of income and so that's how that and that's, that's what inspired the frozen goods. Yes. So how long did it take for the frozen goods to start to catch traction? Was it immediate? Did no, it take- that took about four years. Four years. We got to get up to we got to get up to 2010 before we started rocking and roll. Okay, we'll get there. <laughs> um, yeah. So so the year now is 2000. If I'm doing the math right, where mm-hmm. things started to pick up. What what did you start doing differently for the 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 frozen? Uh, I added more products. Okay. Like and what? then I added uh, fresh. Okay, you need to understand two things. I could never make a good chocolate chip cookie, which is hilarious because that's our number two seller. <laughs> and I could never make a really good chicken salad. What's a good chocolate chip cookie? Well, it's something that's a good homemade chocolate chip cookie. Are mine you crunchy were, or chewy? Uh, I, I like crunchy, but this one can be either way. <laughs> okay. But mine were always flat, so I okay. finally aced that. So, you know, uh, and then I could never make a really good uh, chicken salad. Okay. And... Um, and that chicken salad is our number one seller in wow. our store. So I think that's that's kind of But hilarious. just goes to show, like, just keep trying, keep evolving and keep getting better. And eventually you'll be number one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so then the next thing that I did was I opened a second, uh, an actual store, not okay. one that was in the front of my kitchen, because I realized that the women that were in this area of Dallas were not going to drive to see me 30 minutes away. So you're you're so when you get this new commissary, it's a uh, 96, right? You're yeah. there, you're still in the second spot mm-hmm. at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So you stay there for a good chunk of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there but it was in what like an industrial space? Oh yes, industrial. Then I blew the wall out, went next door. And, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I but I I noted I thought they're not going to drive to see me. I'm going to have to be where they are. Yeah. And so uh, a space came available near it's near SMU that's in Highland park and um i uh lease that space and we're still in that space so you, it's only you, 800 square feet did you keep the commissary kitchen? oh yeah oh so, yeah so you, you kept the the second location blew out the wall um and now you were then you got a retail store. space basically. and it's tiny so 800 square feet when you were looking for this retail space was it a good space would you say you know, oh it's you know, the best we could have ever gotten so what made it the best because the location what made it a good location? Uh, because it's an old 
shopping center that everyone shops at in Highland Park at Snyder Plaza. Okay. And like I drove by, saw a lease sign and said, okay. And then I called them and then there was like eight people behind me so to get this shopping space. center. Um, cause I, it's I know walk up. Okay. Cause I'm in New Hampshire. We don't have a lot of the same spaces <clears throat> that you are privy to have in Dallas because the weather is better more time. Yes. So is it like a, is it like an outdoor, outdoor communal space? Yeah. Not like outdoor, but you know what I mean? Like, is it like a, like a shopping strip or is it like, I know it's like a, like two, like, five five streets walk up you just walk up to each of the stores it has a fountain in the so like center it's very nice it's like it's a bunch of streets with uh with retail with shops, yeah got uh-huh. it um very so old lots since, of, since the 30s what are the other stores that were around you oh lots of high-end um clothing stores so and then a yeah oh yeah this whole that whole area is that yeah, yeah, yes got it um what about the size of that space because you weren't 800 producing. square square feet okay that's i feel like that's, that's nothing decent, really no that's <laughs> Well, I'm thinking 800 square feet, because, but you're not producing there. No, all that's there is uh, to this day. All that's there is a uh, in the front is a three door refrigerator, a two door freezer, and in the back is a walk in freezer, and then a sink. But that place rocks and rolls. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break to thank our sponsors, <laughs> and we'll come right back to talk about like what, how, like how your product offer evolved at this point, how the catering was evolving at this point. Uh, we'll be right back. When you're a restaurant, a lot can happen suddenly, and the unexpected can be expensive. For example, when you're short-staffed during the busy month, you can't delay hiring, and the slower season still comes with bills to pay. Or how about when your appliances break down or your new location needs more equipment? You have to work fast to keep the kitchen running smoothly. You don't have time to wait around for a traditional loan process to get the cash you need. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Zinch, a direct lender that gets businesses like yours. Since 2004, Zinch has made the financing process for small and medium businesses fast, flexible, and inclusive with easy-to-understand solutions. If your restaurant is generating over $10,000 in monthly revenue and has been in business for at least six months, Zinch can fund up to $250,000 in less than two days, so much faster than the traditional lenders. To apply, just fill out a simple application form and provide a copy of your four most recent bank statements. It's that easy. No drawn-out paperwork to keep track of and no lengthy waiting to see if you are qualified. You'll get a response from Zinch within 24 hours. Plus, Zinch's specialists are just a phone call away. They'll guide you every step of the way and help you choose the terms that best fit your business needs. Save yourself the stress of financing through the bank. Apply for Zinch. Right now, Zinch is waiving application fees for my listeners, a value of $250. Go to financingthatworks.com to get pre-qualified and to see how much financing you can get with Zinch. Don't wait. Go to financingthatworks.com today. Loans made or arranged pursuant to a California finance lender's law license. We are back. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you're you're painting the picture of how you're growing your business, how you're evolving. Uh, You just got to your new retail spot. How did your product offering evolve at this point? Because where we left off, you're doing um, <laughs> cookies, you were doing cakes, you're doing uh, frozen balls. What else were you doing? Uh, then we started doing little entree things like lasagna for oh, two. So you're that you getting can out take of home. the baking world and yeah. getting more into the, the food. Yeah. And then uh, chicken salad and tuna salad and egg salad. and thi- Okay. Our thought was we want to, these women, okay, women at that time started where they didn't cook. Mm hmm. 
they had to work or whatever. They didn't care to cook. They didn't want it. Yeah. But they wanted their family to have things that were um, handmade, you know, like they would cook, okay, if they could. And so we thought we want to be their daily necessity. We want to be what they need for lunch today, dinner tonight, weekend with the guys coming over to watch. Free card. Yes. (laughs) You know, football game comes on this weekend. We make uh, zingers, which is a bacon wrap apricot with a little jalapeno. We make. Hundreds of thousands of those. We want to be the where they go, so that that we are their secret weapon. So they can just put those zingers out of the freezer, right in the oven, bake them, and serve them. And they look like they did it, and we, they can take all the credit. So that was kind of our thought. So paint the picture of the space. Was it like just like rows of refrigerators with like pre cooked, no. <laughs> or is it? Yeah, like what was it like? Yeah, it's it's a the three three door refrigerator and a two door freezer and a counter. That's it. It's and it was eight hundred square feet. Yeah, and the back of that is a walk in um, oh, okay walk in freezer to store all of our stuff and uh, a spare refrigerator and a sink. That's it. How many people worked in this space? About two. Okay. <laughs> um, and like, <clears throat> how would you package the 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 goods like the the specifically we extre- the salads and stuff? We went extremely simple. Because I figured out they don't really give a rip. If it doesn't taste good, they're not going to buy yeah, it. So they're probably why unpackage it once it gets home? <clears throat> so the, the family thinks they did it. <laughs> yes. So you have a product today that you tried that yeah. uh, that is one of the most fancy that we do because that that particular product is sold to other uh, stores and all that kind of stuff. But for what we do, yes, it's freaking awesome. So it, but, is, it is freaking awesome. Yes. That's literally the name. <laughs> yes. uh, nosh bag. What's nosh mean? It just snacks. Okay, got it. Yeah. Sorry to so, so chicken salads in a, you know, dark container with a simple label. Got they it. don't care. If the product tastes good, they'll come back and buy it. Got so it, that it. was our thought. Okay. You know? So um, <clears throat> the year's 2000 now. Um, how, like, how long were you operating like at this level before the next evolution happened? For oh, you? the next evolution. I would, I would say that the next evolution was not things that evolved but things that happened in the world that forced you to change yes or that showed our resilience so before we get into that um again putting your sandy corm (laughs) you know hat on like where you who you are today reflecting back at who you were in 2001 to 2008 because i think that's when things started to get rocky for you during that six-year period that seven-year period did was there evolution were were there things that you think that you could have knowing what you know now could you have been doing things better then yes if i I still didn't have my systems in place you know started about um 2009 or 2000 somewhere around so when you say you didn't have your systems in place basically like if if the people you hired like all quit then you wouldn't be able to basically find no we had we had that's true for everybody yeah we you know what i'm saying we had recipes and we always had them costed but we didn't have them updated it's like you can have 1700 recipes and they're all costed but if the butter butter changes oh my god 500 recipes just changed the chicken changed it you don't so you know what the real cost. Once. You did your menu engineering once, and then <laughs> big set it, binder set Excel it, spreadsheets. It. <laughs> and and yes. this is over a seven-year period, so uh, I would yes. imagine that changed a lot. Yes, yeah. yes. So, you know, were you profitable at this point? Yet? Yes, yes. Do you mind talking about numbers? No, I don't mind talking about numbers. You know, today. Uh, I mean, back then, let's see. I wouldn't even know where we were then. But yes, we were always profitable, but we were not where we should be. I'm okay. talking like we were where 
the national average for a restaurant is five percent. Okay. If they and the, that's what the national average is, but why do you want to be average? I was about there, five percent. Okay. So n- now it's it's uh, you know seventeen, eighteen, twenty percent. That's a huge difference in dollars. Yep. You know, and your your cost, your your good, like what your what you thought your costing <clears throat> wasn't accurate. So maybe you thought you were making five percent based off of the yes. two thousand one <laughs> projections or whatever. I was but, just going off the PNL. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. um, so you're in reality your actual your um um i mean you had your theoretical but your actual yeah is probably closer to like three yeah yes yeah. correct absolutely so yes. um good <clears throat> lessons here mm-hmm. so anything else before we move on like knowing mm. what you know now would you what about that model up to this point um would you think that this model works today oh what you did? Oh, oh that was smart what i did not knowing why i was doing it to why have multiple it? revenue streams okay. because of what was happening in the world and what has happened several more times in the world yeah i knew that we had to we could not rely alone on events um you know at 37% of our business is done from November 1st to the end of the year. And it used to be just events. Now it's events and our food shops. But still, you can't rely just on events. You just can't. How can you? I, 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 well, I just couldn't. And so I knew that we had to have some kind of multiple revenue stream, and that was the food shops. Got it. Um, so what, what happened in 2009 or two thousand. First of all, two thousand one. Okay. Nine eleven. So how did yeah. that change your yeah, business? Yeah, that well, it just was a little blimp for us. Uh, but it so but it did show me because I just moved in that into that area and it did show me that we were resilient. But then 2008, eight, nine, whenever it was, was the first big recession, okay, uh, that happened. And uh, all of caterers that were just in corporate or even uh, caterers that did a lot of private social just totally tanked because, you know, everyone tightened their belt. They didn't party. And but we remained because people still had to eat. They didn't go out to a restaurant. So where'd they go? They came to our food shops. Yes. And so we made up for the difference. Okay. Mm. And then 2010 happened, which was you were talking to the number one affected um, small business owner by the largest uh, agri call in the history of the United States. Um, you specifically? Uh, me specifically. How is that possible? Because we had we can't produce we, um, all of the inventory, frozen inventory that we need from November 1st to December 23rd. We can't produce it in October and September. There's just no way it's all handmade that we're going to make it. And so by August of 2010, we, we will start producing earlier in the year. And we had over six tons of product that was in frozen inventory. And I got a little phone call that said, oh, Sandy, there's an egg recall. My food service guy called. There's an egg recall. And uh, I think that your eggs are... Um, Are you saying egg recall? Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought maybe you were saying like agriculture. No, egg recall. Okay. I think your egg, uh, I think the eggs in all of in your product, which is almost in everything. Oh my goodness. It's on the recall list. So over six tons of handcrafted product. This was at the end of August. <clears throat> Did you have insurance? It, uh, that um, does not really pay for that. Okay. Uh, and then um, it wasn't the greatest experience. I won't go into that. But the little lady made the big guys pay later. I'll just put Are it that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, is there another little lady in the <laughs> no, story? No, no, okay. no. So, but we had to totally 
we had to quarantine that stuff and keep it six tons of stuff. So now you're you're paying to keep right. all this like these refrigerators going. Your electrical bill must be huge with that much refrigeration space. Oh, we're and ready. you're on the hook to for you're responsible for quarantining it and, in another location. In and a, and then we had to remake it. Pay for the labor, pay for the cost of goods, and get it all done by October because we're hitting our last quarter. Do you mind sharing numbers here? Can you give us some like actual numbers of like how deep? How much in? money? After- money that was uh, that was three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Three hundred fifty thousand dollars cost of goods in two thousand eleven. Yeah, it's a lot of money. What were you grossing in two thousand eleven? That probably, gosh. Oh gosh, this is horrible that I can't even well, I mean, backtrack is, uh, like that. I'm going to probably most say aren't asked I'm going to say like two and a half, two point five million. Uh, let's just guess. You're grossing two point five million, mm-hmm. so you weren't just a little business anymore. Mm-hmm. So, what happened that made you gross? Was it because of the the recession? stores and the catering? Because all that during that time, I know I'm not trying to get out of chronological order, <laughs> but all during that time, our our catering star grew. Okay, and so we started to do extreme high end, oh, okay. high profile okay. events. Because in my mind, like you're, I mean, you're you a little had a person lot of product, with a food shop. Yeah, but yeah. if you're making that much. Uh, yes, cookies, frozen goods, or, you, but that's just up. cost of goods. That's not right. what the retail is. So the cost of goods, not what the retail is. Oh plus, yeah. Are, so you, let's say that's twenty five percent. Were you factoring labor into the cost of goods? No. Okay. Lord, Lord, no. That's just the butter in the. <laughs> so with all the additional, the utilities expenses, the labor expenses, oh, half, even, half million, six hundred thousand. Jeez, Louise. for somebody, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. So we didn't lay off anybody. We didn't. Uh, we didn't. Um, uh, lose it didn't hurt it it hurt us but it didn't deter us yeah it didn't destroy us and we kept going so when this happened when you got the news was the first thing that what was the first thing that went through your mind oh they're the food service provider is going to just they're going to pay for all this yeah no no and <laughs> you said that the the insurance didn't pay for it. no not but for that is it because you didn't have the right insurance no i had the right insurance but it doesn't cover recall stuff i learned a lot about oh, that just like the insurance doesn't cover pandemics so, yeah, I don't know, yeah, our, yeah. our responsibility yeah, that's just yes. bad luck yes um but you ended up going to court i'm assuming and you won yes so what was unique about your case like like how does like why can't we just standardize this as something that like is should be covered with insurance if you're gonna I go to court I, you know and we need anyway, to be settled out well yeah we sell so I don't know if if they just felt I don't think they felt sorry Maybe for they me want but the press. yeah yeah because they yeah. yeah I won't say who that was but uh, yeah <laughs> they <laughs> so, settled so you don't want yeah <laughs> they still come visit me on sales calls because okay. they don't know and I'm like no no. You need to leave. Uh, <laughs> so maybe anyway. after the, the yeah. you tell me, I'm curious now. <laughs> yes. Uh, so again, putting, so, I mean, you were doing what you said, one, one two, point, what, two two, point two, five let's say 2.2, 2.3, 2. So you're starting to learn some stuff. 2000, so when did, when did things really start to change for you and your business? When in you, around 2011, 2012. Because of this experience? Because of that and, and systems. And systems. And, yeah. And but you also, grew the business from 2001 to 2000. Like in that 10-year period, you were doing good business. So you must have learned some things. Yes, because time. at $1.6 million, I like to say we were grossing 1.6 but we had zero profit so you still weren't making any profit. no so you're before just busy that yeah point. so it's so, like yeah. yeah you're like uh, does this sound familiar anybody yeah. <laughs> listening does this feel like you're busy you're doing things it feels like that you know you're selling stuff there's lines at the door people love you where's the money where's the money because yeah. yeah 1.6 million dollars and uh no profit my husband's like you know i always like to kid and say where's the money honey and so uh <laughs> so I turned things around and started um, 
like I said, building the business more. Uh, our catering uh, grew in the fact that we were doing a lot of high-profile events. And so that took off at the same time that the stores took off. Um, and then we systemized, and, and here we are. So you said so basically what I'm hearing is you started to remove yourself from the day-to-day, mm-hmm. or maybe you were still Working stuck on in the day-to-day. It, day. No, I never did really a lot of day-to-day except for the brownies. <laughs> okay. So you were learning early on to, to not be trapped to work in on your, it. to work on it, but you still weren't profitable. So what like – what did you start? What was the key thing? Like, what was the the first thing? And if you can like reflect back, hmm. um, that you started to do that started sending you down this trajectory of profitability. Labor allotment. Okay, what's labor that? allotment in the fact that you can't? They just can't work. You know, oh, it's going to take um, um, five hours today to do um, a thousand cookie dough balls. Okay. So, it, it, and then tomorrow you're only going to do two hundred cookie dough balls, and it still takes five hours. So it's like, okay, we got to get a handle on this. You have to say how much you're supposed to produce, and it's only going to take this much time. So I think it was the <clears throat> the actual cost of goods that we were doing uh, for the food in that we were updating our recipes so we did know how much they cost. And I'll, I'll just put it in here. We started using Restaurant Systems Pro, um, and that has been the turnaround for us. So this happened in 2011? Mm-hmm. So they came in and they said, hey, um, here's the first thing, cost or yeah. uh, labor allotment. Yeah, and, then, and, cost of, and the recipe costing and uh, keeping them updated. And you were like, I already did that <laughs> 10 years ago. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. So I think it was also once you start honing in on things, everything comes into perspective mm-hmm. and you see the the penny in the in the lid that they just threw away that they could have used again you see the nickel in the plastic bag that somebody just grabbed and used for their lunch to put their potato chips in and you start seeing in fact we used to put things a lid we'd hang it up on a on a shelf or a bag or whatever and say this is six cents this is seven cents this is three cents you can't use these things to get people to understand this is a word for that what is it I don't know. I think it's open book management. In oh, a okay. sense. It's like or it's gamification. It's it's saying like it's communicating <clears throat> to your team and like saying like, you know, this is what it costs to do business. Mm-hmm. And but when you teach your people the the, the the game of business and you don't just pay them for their time like hey mm-hmm. stand in this one spot and do this one thing and don't <laughs> make any noise. I mean, there's some like you know, I think we all start like that, but like once they get that figured out, move them to the next thing and then and teach them and educate them. Yes. So they, they know that their decisions, their mm-hmm. actions have, uh, I don't want to say consequences. Consequ- yeah, they do. Yeah, they have consequences, you know? So how, how did, when you started like educating your, your, your team, how did you do that in a way that made them not kick and scream and say, this, well, some did some okay. left okay, because they didn't want to, to be accountable. And, but then others stayed. We've had, you know, we have some people now, we have probably six people have been with us for like 20 years, 18 years, you know, so it's not like we kicked out everybody, but we just said, we're going to start afresh. And here's the other thing. I, I blamed it all on me because it was my fault. It was not their fault. It was my fault because I did not know. I did not learn, but now I know. And now we're going to teach you how to do that and keep you, hold you accountable for the business because you know what? I'm supporting your family. And if I can't pay for it, then you're not going to have a job and you can't feed them, you know? Yeah. So that's so, how we approached it. So labor, um, <clears throat> and allotment, 
and cost of goods. And cost of goods. Uh, mm-hmm. So you, you, know, you mentioned Restaurant Systems Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you even know that this was a thing, an option for you? I'm, you uh, I'm, jeez. Um, Okay, geez, I'm, I'm trying I, to go back to knowing how what I, I know about Restaurant Systems Pro. Yeah. I'm assuming it was David, Scott, David Peter. Scott Peters. You probably yes. heard him talk or something. Yeah, I heard him talk, but I'm trying to. Oh yes, yes, yes. I heard him talk. Um, I, <laughs> I, um, he was a speaker at. Um, yeah, he was he's a been speaker on the show. Sales thing. I think four or five times <clears throat> now. So people who listen to the show know that he's a speaker. <clears throat> okay, he, he can speak. <laughs> yes, yes. And so he, he he always remembers me. Well, David, I know each other very well, but he remembers me. The person that came up to him. It was one of his first speeches, and I read what he was, what he could teach, and what he could do that he handed out, but I had to go catch a plane. Okay. And Where so were you? We, Las Vegas. Okay. So I, thanks for reminding me because I got to me. <laughs> and so I read it and I went, that's exactly what I need. And it said a thousand dollars, uh, that to, to, to join whatever it was that I'm I was gonna joining. I'm not going to expect you to remember exactly what yeah. it said, but can you, do you remember what oh, it was? Oh, it was like how to change your bottom line. Okay. Because you have great gross sales, but you have no net, something is wrong. And okay. so it was speaking my language. Okay. So I read it all, but he said 100% money back guarantee. So I remember walking up to him. <laughs> And he'll tell you this and going, I want to give you a check for a thousand dollars. I can't hear you speak. He was like, you know, no day, knowing David, what, what, you know, uh, he said, you're not going to hear me speak. I said, no, I have to leave. But if this is what you say you're going to do, and this is what you can do, I'm going to trust that you're going to, you know, if, if I don't like this, you're going to give me my thousand dollars back. And that's how that all started. But then I didn't really join any of the group for probably another nine months. (laughs) So what was... What was when you said the group? What was David? <clears throat> so we said, was was Restaurant Systems Pro a thing then? No, it was called Smart Systems Pro. Okay, Smart Systems Pro. And what mm-hmm. was Smart Systems Pro? Same then? as as Restaurant Systems Pro, but now we're <clears throat> they are much more. Um, well, they've added more systems. That'd be the best way to put it. Got it. So then, going back to 2011, when you saw David speak, mm-hmm. what was what was on the table? What was what was he going to do? Was it just cost analysis? And labor allotment? Yeah, and then also budget, which I'd never really budgeted, you know. Yeah. Uh, the whole the basics that you need to understand for uh, for managing a business in the right way. You know, I needed somebody to really teach me. I love P&Ls. I love balance sheets. I can read those all day long, but I didn't know how to get to where I needed to be, if that, if that helps. So uh, cost analysis, I'm, right, I'm taking notes, so yeah. Cost analysis, labor allotment, mm-hmm. and budget were the, mm-hmm. the budget. three yes. big buckets that he there was he teaching. Bu- yes. And this is all to affect your bottom line. So basically, yes. the flyer you saw it is you're, you got <clears throat> lines out the door, you got money coming in, but you don't know where it's going. <laughs> and I'm not making any money. Yeah. So, um, what was the first step when you, when you agreed? So, after, and I know it's changed, so <clears throat> this is your story. And like, if in, I don't know what David's doing. I know he's at David Scott Peters today. He, he, um, uh, sold his share to Restaurant Systems Pro, um, and he's mm-hmm. doing his what he loves, which is speaking. That's really what mm-hmm. he's truly like. He's a talented speaker. Mm, I, mean, oh, I can't yes. say I blame the guy. No. Um, so <clears throat> when he when he started working with you, like, what did this process look like? The first thing he said was, "You've got to do all of these things." Okay. And I didn't have anyone but myself. So he just told you to do this stuff. Yeah, he said you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. And it's a it was a 
It's a lot. So this this a hole gave you, <clears throat> you gave him a thousand dollars to tell you what to do, but he didn't help you do it. Yeah, he did help me, oh, but he, but still, Dave's, I'm the one that have to would have to do it. Okay. And so it took me like six or eight months. But how did I you fi- know what to do? <clears throat> give because you like he a, would tell you, okay. you know. But the thing was, is that. I couldn't manage the business and do all of this uh, system stuff, getting all the recipes recosted, get them all, getting all this implemented, you know? So what I needed was an implementer. Mm, and now you're so, talking about <clears throat> language. Are you an EOS <clears throat> fan by any chance? No. Okay. I don't even, so, so he said, you need an implementer. And so that's why I never... What is an implementer? Someone that's going to do all the work that you can't do. Someone that's going to put those recipes in his system and then so that they are ready to be costed, they're ready to be updated. Somebody's going to put put reverse labor in the system. Yep. Somebody's going to do all the stuff that's that's needed to rock and roll, to be profitable. So, and I echo this a lot, and I'm actually, a, I'm a, becoming <clears throat> a giant fan of the the book, traction and the work of traction mm-hmm. uh gino wickman i don't know if you know that name yeah uh you do i do know the name i have not read it so it's, a, it's an amazing book but it's actually a series of books and what they developed is the eos or the, or the entrepreneurial operating system mm-hmm. and a uh, part of the system um <clears throat> what they call it is rocket this book rocket fuel and what rocket fuel is and i think the author of that book lives in dallas because i was trying to connect to them um what's that i wonder who that is his name's escaping me. I, I, I'm a big brain dumper. It's all right. <laughs> when it's not important right now, I put it in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the author of Rocket Fuel, uh, the, what Rocket Fuel is, is having an implementer. <clears throat> That's what. So most people are visionaries. Or not? I shouldn't say most people. Most most business owners, oh, me. entrepreneurs, are visionaries. They have dreams. They have this is what's possible. This is what can be done. And they they're good at drumming up and motivating people. That's what I did. Exactly. Um, but they're when it comes time to <clears throat> To chase that vision, they go. I don't know what the hell. I'm, like, how do I? They're not good in the mud. They're yeah. good in the, in the in the clouds. They're not good in the mud. And an implementer is good at building your exactly. Yeah. And so that's what he he kept telling me. You need someone to be the implementer. So um, I remember I went to one of his conferences in Las Vegas. Finally went to a three day deal, and I had someone that worked for me that I said was going to be the implementer. And so when we actually met we talked on the phone for six or eight months he remembered me as a person with the check you know but that was about it so i went to his event and uh he was more interested in meeting where's your damn implementer that's what he kept saying where 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 is she and so he was more interested in meeting them than me which was fine uh but that was the start of finally getting it all together in one system that would work um later how did this process take Oh my gosh, we're still working on it. I mean, it just takes forever. But here's the answer to that question. I think it it never ends. It never ends. It shouldn't. Yeah, because the world is constantly evolving. Systems and processes, technology gets better. And if you stop, then you get left behind. Yes, and we have uh, 3,000 recipes. We have more than anyone in Restaurant Systems Pro. So uh, because of how we use them, we use them in, and we haven't even gotten to my third thing yet, but we use them in catering, we use them in in the stores, and we use them in the manufacturing, which I'll talk about in a minute. I do think there's a level of transparency that's needed here. I will say, obviously, you guys listen to the show. You know that Restaurant Systems Pro is a sponsor, uh, but I also vet my sponsors very well. And I know that David Scott Peters was behind Restaurant Systems Pro, and I know know that he knows his stuff and i've gotten to know fred and i said fred um 
you know, if we're going to get into bed together, I need testimonials. I need people talking about this. And he's like, if you want testimonials, <laughs> brother, I got you. Yeah. And here we are. And um, he called you out to be a guest in the show. Mm-hmm. So I just want, I think it's important to, to have that level of transparency. Yes. Here. But th- what we're talking about, it isn't, this isn't a pitch. You know, this isn't some gimmick. This is real stuff. It's life changing. Yeah. So when you started, when you, when, when you implemented what he gave you and in, in your, in your implementer, put it to work. What was talk to us about the shift in your business? Like, were you profitable? Yes. Oh, yeah. We started being profitable immediately. How much and, more profitable? And, and, well, it started being. You know, we finally got up to six or seven percent. And I didn't even know what a prime cost was. You know, I think we were like seventy percent or some some. Where like, should it be? It should well. According to to Fred, uh, it should be like fifty five percent. You can get that, but it also depends on what type of business you have. A restaurant could be fifty five. I don't think I'll ever make fifty five. I'm like sixty, and because of the various revenue streams you have, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just shifted, and the and the net profit has grown and grown and grown. Got you it. know, so um, was it like an instant shift? <laughs> Within. Months, a wow. year. But I also sat on the couch and I, with me at my home, and I had a, a store that was just breaking even. They're like, close it. So we already talked about earlier in this conversation. <laughs> you put out that you were doing like two point five. Seven mm-hmm. percent is a big deal with mm-hmm. those types of numbers. This yes. is like now your your husband can yeah say you know, no, not say where's the money, honey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, the, the 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 tide shifting here. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point in, in 2011, this is said, this is when like the, the fire kind of caught, mm-hmm. right? So again, like you've been doing, what started to change in your business to, to, in, cause you're, what you were then isn't what you are today. No. Um, we just started, uh, increasing what we were selling at our stores, at our food shops, the food shops, uh, sold people on the catering and the catering, so people on the food shops. So we had multiple revenue streams that supported us through ups and downs and, econ- you know, whatever the economy is going to do. I knew that we could, if we could make it through that egg recall, we're going to make it through anything, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so it just, we just put on years of just starting to grow. I don't know what else to, to say. How long did it take you to settle that lawsuit? Oh, that was a, <laughs> two years. Okay. So it wasn't like you had instant money back. Um but when you did settle, was that, I'm assuming that must have helped you guys. Yes, it did help a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure yes. it did. So getting into that, um, like what were the next big changes that you like? So again, painting the picture at this point in your career, <clears throat> you are, you have your retail space, mm-hmm. um, you have your commissary mm-hmm. and you're doing catering and yes. how many, about how many catering events are you doing a week oh, on average? Uh, at, at that point we we're probably doing probably 10. Okay. Yeah. So business is good. Yes. Business is, business is good. So then I open up something else. What was, the, then what? I open up, uh, the shop that was in the front of the production commissary kitchen. I thought, Hmm, I think we need our own space. <laughs> so the shop that was in the front of the production commissary kitchen, the kitchen, that you moved away from to open the retail space, mm-hmm. you went back to that space and said, what are we going to do now that the retail is over here? Yeah, we moved the retail to a separate location. Okay. Separate from the commissary kitchen. Yeah, but that was back in 2000... Oh, that was 12 years ago. From today. 12 or 13 years ago. So 2012. Ago. Mm-hmm. So what happened with the space after you... Uh, okay, so we have our com- we had our commissary kitchen. Yeah. We moved the original food shop the one in richardson to its own space got it but it also here we go i had this concept that well Here's why yeah why should just 
this space was 1,400 square feet. Oh, pizza place. Why should just 1,400 square feet have to be dependent on the food shop? Why couldn't it also have something else in it that also helps support it? So when you say food shop, I want to make sure I understand. That's your grab and go. Yes. Got it. That's only the things that we produce and it's 100 items a day that is available. So why should the space be dependent on that? Yes. Why can it share? And so we used the back part that was a pizza shop and made it into where all of our frozen frozen bakery items are produced at that location. So the cookie dough, uh, brownies, um, um, you know, key lime, cheesecakes, you name it, you know, was all done there. So it took a load off of the commissary kitchen so we could expand the commissary kitchen to be more savory, whatever, because our catering was growing. Okay. So So. was your catering, this commissary kitchen, um, was it serving, it was, it was serving the retail and the catering. the catering. Yes. Um, were your recipes for the catering standard or were you basically cooking what people told you to cook? I know we customized. Okay, customized. Yeah, but yeah. we had our own, we had our own, you know, recipes, but what like. Would you give a, them a menu or they oh, just yes. say this is exactly what we No, want? no, no. We'll, we'll give them a sample. People like to work off of a sample so and then they customize. The, yeah. Yeah, and okay. then they customize from there. Got it, got so it. we've always been customized. We're not a click, check, you know, boom, there you go. It's yeah. always been customized and we're full service and also, also drop off. Uh, but then I, st- uh, I'm going to throw in one other thing here. I had been doing up to 60% weddings and we finally said, uh, I don't, I, mm, I don't want to do this many weddings anymore. And so we cut down and we only do like 2% weddings wow, now. Wow, that's a big cut. That's a, we what, just, 58% cut. Yeah, we just said it's too many, it, it was just too many meetings, too many, it was yeah. So we just I'm clearly doing single a lot of- because I've never understood <laughs> weddings. Yeah, like I've never, I never will, and I never understood how ridiculous people are with mm-hmm. weddings. Uh, it's outrageous. It's it's, yes. it's absurd. I could never do it. I would just. I wouldn't be able to respect the bride. No, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I understand. Like, You're a crazy lady. <laughs> it's just too, it's too many meetings. So we started doing a lot of private social. Yeah. Lots of that, like in homes and that kind of stuff. So did this was this good or bad for business? Oh, no, it was great. So it was why? fine. Why, why? Like, so we talked to, like about like the- It just the kind evolved. Of it just okay. kind of evolved. It, it didn't ding us. We didn't say one day, not doing weddings. It's just that we just started doing more private social and the weddings kind of stopped a little bit or we didn't go after them and we were perfectly happy. Yeah. <laughs> if so, that makes sense. So, um, <clears throat> like- I mean, did this, did it take time to like recover or you know, cause it was, you said it was a gradual, yeah, it was transition. a gradual thing. Yeah. So, so let me paint the picture for you where we're at now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we have the commissary kitchen. Okay. That's in a, that's in a, you know, one way street by a car wash. Okay. Mm-hmm. Literally blew through the wall next door and we're, we're, we are busting at the seams. Uh, when the when the pest control guy comes in and goes, you have used every inch of this space. You know that yeah. <laughs> that you have. Okay, and then uh, a couple blocks away, we had the Richardson food shop with the little the bakery in the back. Yep. <clears throat> then we had the other food shop down in near SMU. That is the, still the number one seller. That that food shop as sales wise flagship and, year, yes legacy of food shops yeah. and then um, then we also became a caterer for uh, a large uh, church in downtown Dallas and we used their kitchen and that became the location where we 
all of our frozen savory items are made. Okay. That we sell in our that stores. That wasn't a pizza shop. But no, it no, was it's a frozen kit savory. Yeah. So there was frozen baked goods, now there's frozen savory. <laughs> okay, got it. Like for instance, uh, 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 hors d'oeuvres. Lots of hors d'oeuvres are all made there, frozen and shipped to our two food shops. Got it. So they're made there. So now we're in one, two, four locations. Okay. And these, when you say locations, you're talking locations. Retail? No, two, two or just retail physical space that you, physical spaces. That, two of which are retail. And are are you uh, festive <laughs> kratom at this festive kitchen? Uh, festive kitchen at this point, yeah. I always have work. Okay, got it. Got day, it. Since day one, got it. So when you say in four locations, that means there are festive kitchen, kitchen. souls in these places. People that work for you in these spaces, but they're not all retail. They're just different elements. Two retails. Two retail. Got it. Yep. So then we decide, this is about 13 years ago, that we need to um, have a larger commissary kitchen. And so we uh, How tripled ago? our 13 it? years ago. Okay. So this is before we're jumping around <laughs> like a little bit. But, okay, so you need a new commissary kitchen. Mm-hmm. So we built one that was a little office space and uh, tripled our size. Wow. And are you still in the space today? Still in that space today. Got it. And this is the space you're going to be giving a tour of soon. Yes. Yes. Nice. Cool. And so we tripped because I decided that if I could sell our items to um, our customers, then maybe there are other people that would want our items like gourmet food shops. Uh, and so that's when we started manufacturing for others, if that makes sense. It's still the cookie dough, but it's going to a different location. Yep. It's not Festive Kitchen, if that got makes it. sense. Yep. So wholesale. Yes. Yep. Um, so what were the first stores you got into? Uh, the first stores were small, uh, uh, privately owned, you know, uh, gourmet shops around uh, Dallas. Yep. And then um, in Texas... Um, H-E-B is the largest privately owned. Love me some H-E-B. Yes. Well, in, t- in Dallas, there's two, divi- first of all, in Texas, there are two divisions of H-E-B. There's H-E-B and there's Central Market. What's it, the difference? Between Central Market is a high-end gourmet. You want to find something different, you go it's to Central Market. It's the Whole Foods Market. of H-E-B. Yes, and it's the gourmet, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, gourmet part. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, I had already put that in Dallas. (laughs) Yes. And there's six of them here. There's, uh, they're all over the state, but we have more than anybody because we don't have H-E-B or we didn't until six months ago. Um, and we were also selling a product that you have called it's freaking awesome. It is freaking awesome. Yes. That's a snack. Yes. It wasn't even trademarked. And we started selling that to Cowboy Stadium, different locations. So we thought maybe there's, you know, maybe there's more manufacturing that we can do. So, I contacted Central Market, and bottom line is we have um, eight flavors of cookie dough in Central Market statewide, uh, several of our uh, frozen bakery items. Uh, in, uh, see, in, see, in the holiday season, we have a couple of uh, savory items. So we, we've got a great relationship so with Central So what is your, your um, list? How many, how many items are you putting into wholesale today? Like uh, Probably into- 20 20 okay mm-hmm. um and when you started doing wholesale like how like what what were the no again knowing what you know now putting your today <laughs> sandy quorum hat on reflecting back 10 years ago and and saying like this is knowing what you know now about wholesale and getting into wholesale what have you learned like what are the, what are the challenges with this packaging i would have okay. i would probably have um wished i could have 
taken a class on it. I mean, I don't even know if there is a class. What was the challenge with package? Because I knew nothing about it. And so you have to learn about the stupid UPC code. You have to learn all that stuff. You know, the regulations, you know, that you have to have for a, for a product that's in the public. I don't yeah. know what else to say. It's different than in my store. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. You so um, where did you go to learn about all this stuff? I just ask people, just learn, just Google, just YouTube, whatever. Yeah. I just learned. You know, I'm um, self-taught. All of our recipes have to come through me. I'm actually executive chef. In fact, that you know, uh, so that's kind of an interesting thing about me. So anyway, so packaging, um, just like the comp, like the little, little intricacies of doing it right, legally, safely. Um, but like, is it what else about packaging? Talking branding, talking like, what, yeah, what you have to have it? a branding, a branded, and um, you know, it's like you have to have a good designer. That kind of stuff. So I wish I'd know more about that, but it just kind of evolved. I don't know what you, else to say. You wish you knew more about that. <clears throat> like, like you're giving us specifics, but are, are there any other specifics that you wish that you do know that you wish you knew then that you can let our listeners know before they get involved that they're thinking about getting to wholesale? Frig, I wish I knew. Okay, this. I would go visit someone that has something in that's that is like myself, yeah, or like Visconti's that's um that's up in Washington State that produces things for third party vendors. I would ask if I could come and see how they package. What machinery do they use? Would you be willing to do a, a Q&A with me, like a live Q&A yes. like now online? Yes. If, if you're listening to this and you have questions, like <laughs> do what Sandy is telling you to do <laughs> yes. and go talk to somebody and I'm going to make you available yes. if that's okay with you. Yeah, I think perfect. this would be super valuable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. Yeah. No, so it's just like, what do, do you use a cryovac? Do you use a shrink wrap? I mean, what the heck do you use? How do you get that packaging? You know, yeah. all that, all that kind of stuff. And also another thing that I would probably have done is uh, we've evolved into uh, something that we just built this year is a meat safety assurance kitchen. Um, (laughs) You're like, does she have another idea? Anyway, I wish that I would have done some savory back then uh, at the beginning and not just sweet, but I didn't know. Uh, I can hear me example. Chicken salad is our number one seller in our stores. I can sell you chicken salad all day I long. I love chicken salad. I, I need to try well, yours. You'll, you will have some tomorrow. Please. Uh, you can, I can ship you chicken salad where you live. I can, I, can, I can ship it wherever. But the minute that Central Market wants to buy my chicken salad, I have to have it produced in a special permitted inspected kitchen. And none of my kitchens qualified. And the reason was because they had too much traffic. Like foot traffic? Foot traffic. My staff coming in. My staff. There's too many people here. There's too many coming in the back door. There's too many, you know, and so it has. Too many opportunities for contamination. Yes. So we had to build one and be permanent. We just finished that uh, a little while ago. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but in the past six months. So I wish I'd have known that then and and would have done that. Could have expanded more. So. How did wholesale affect your bottom line? I mean, we're, we're unpackaging a lot, and I'm looking at the clock. I know we, yes. we're going to dinner in a little bit, yes. and I'm like, oh man, yeah. Um, so how how did this affect you when you started when you added this new channel? So at this point, you had um the the retail, the catering. Uh, now you're doing wholesale is the, mm-hmm. the next big thing. And like, how did this shift you and take you to the next? Level? Uh, well, um, 
it's just expanding every day. Um, let me just put it this way. I'll, I'll wrap this up with this. Uh, right now, we're, we're like, um, we broke five million this year and, uh, we're doing like more in our retail stores than our catering, which is very unusual. And then wholesale is coming, uh, manufacturing is building. Right now it's 10%, but it's going to be a lot more. Okay. So I, I view that as just another avenue to make it the business more stable, which it is. It's the same product. It's just stolen a different way. Got it. So, um, so I don't know if that answers that question. No, it or does. Helps. Um, I think we're going to take another break to thank our sponsors because yes. that needs to happen. Then we're going to come back and we're going to continue to talk. I don't know if we're going to get to a speed <laughs> round today, but I, I, oh, yes. I do want to at least stop the, yes. the thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often. Restaurant Systems Pro. If you've become interested, I highly recommend you sign up for the Restaurant System Pro 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. All right, we are back, and we have a live event that we are trying to get to in the next 20 minutes. Uh, so to, to offer a little context to the listeners, uh, I am in Dallas, Texas, where Sandy is based, and we're out here uh, doing some interviews. Uh, every quarter, Restaurant Systems Pro hosts a mastermind to their elite group, mm-hmm. which is invitation only, just throwing that out there. Um, we're here to, to be a fly on the wall for that and to, to share some stories and to get some interviews. Um, and... It's a great time out here, but we have an event that we have to get to with this mastermind that we're a part of. So we have to start trying to think about wrapping it up. So let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. With the 15 minutes we have left. <laughs> yes. What does it? What would you like to talk about? Where do you think you bring the most value to the like people in the industry? Like, what haven't we spoken about that you think is necessary? Um, I started a, a company called the Catering Coach uh, that um, David Scott Peters greatly encouraged me to do. We would speak at national events and we would compete on who had the most in the audience. You know, anyway, if you know David, uh, but he greatly encouraged me to do that. And so I learned. I learned that. Um, from a catering perspective, as a caterer only, okay, whenever we had to compete against a restaurant for a bid, we're like, 
we got this because they didn't know how to price things. And also they didn't know how to um, not only price things, but they didn't know how to do the service as well. So my number one thing that I would, that I would like to, to say is that if you're going to be a caterer as a restaurant owner, do it because it is an added revenue stream and you're crazy to me if you don't do it. Uh, If you can't do full service, there's nothing wrong with just drop off. But here's where, um, and people even in this elite group kid me about this because they went, oh, I remember you. You're the one that told me I needed to charge for the ice. Everything, everything that you bring to a catered event the client needs to pay for it. Why is that the case? Why do you want to contribute the plastic plates to them? Why are you giving them away free? Mm. If you added that up, it'd be thirty or $40,000 if you do a lot of them for a year. Why do you want to go and haul that 400 pounds of ice, get it delivered, showed up at their house, you had to make the phone calls, whatever, and you're not you charging. for the ice. And you're not, yes, yeah. and you're not charging them for it. Labor, what a lot of restaurant owners do is they, they think, oh, I'm going to charge a person, you know, $70 a, per, uh, $70 a person, and then they eat it because then they don't charge them for the wait staff. Oh, they're going to, the client's going to come up with a, with a staff that can serve people. They're going to come up with a certified bartender. No, so you need to, the, the thing that people don't realize is that you have to pay for it. And if they are employing you to do an event, they need to pay for yes. it, not you. So it's just basically having a really accurate line item of everything that you bring with you. What about the service too? Like um, on top of that, like so you're you're keeping track of the cost of goods. <clears throat> Excuse mm-hmm. me, but you're also keeping, but you also bring a skill set and a service to that. So like, how do you know what to charge for the services? Oh, you mean as far as the food? Well, yeah, yeah, the training of the staff, <laughs> oh, uh, the, the training the seamless, of the, staff. The, making the event feel seamless, knowing at the timing and like all this. How, other how, stuff. how to how, yeah. how to charge for it? Yeah. You've got to kind of look at what it is in your in your area. Like for instance, my friends that are here in Chicago, they charge forty five dollars an hour for a wait staff. I charge thirty eight for an hour here. It's yeah. kind of like what your area can sustain. So labor kind of dictates that. Yes, yeah. what it sustains. But another thing that that you also need to charge for is. Um, uh, some people want to charge for gratuity. I've never charged for gratuity. You know, that brings fear of God into restaurant owners. Yeah. Oh, my God. She didn't charge for that. I feel like if they want to pay gratuity, my staff's got to earn it. Yeah. And so I do not charge for gratuity. I'm not going to assume that they're going to want to tip. Okay, most of the time they do. Sometimes they don't. But I will charge an event production fee that's going to cover everything from the person doing the proposal, from the 10 changes that they make to the menu, to the meetings that you have to have, to the on-site visits that you have to have. All of that goes into that event production fee, which right now we're currently at 22%. Okay. And so it also covers that credit Wait, card fee. list too. those things one more time. That, that, that it covers yeah. the event production fee? The meetings. The proposals, the rewrites, the rentals, uh, hiring the staff, finding the staff, training the staff, finding the bartender. Oh, my God, he can't come tonight. I've got to find somebody else. You know, making the arrangements for the ice, making the arrangements for the, the flowers. we got to coordinate that the flowers show up. Or if it's a simple drop-off, it's still you've got to go see, where's the delivery? Where do I put my van? Oh, I can only park for 10 minutes? Oh, my God, i got to go park across the street. Mm-hmm. You, know, and, and, you know, all of that goes into that 22%. We charge 22 Some people want to start off at 15 and so raise it's, it. So it's like you figure out what 
what it's going to cost, and then you do an That's additional. That's at the very bottom. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about this. So you said it's $38 an hour for your staff. With staff, yes. Um, what so that's what, what are they paid? So like, what am I trying to figure out here? What, how do I ask this question? So yeah, what are they? So if you're paying $38, what's the, the increase? The, percent uh, the increase? My staff is paid 21 and if they're capped at 24, but okay. then I got to pay payroll. Taxes. So the difference is uh, the what? So 21, you said 38. Mm-hmm. So you, the, that difference is what you're charging. Yes. Yeah, no, that's yeah. That's what? the difference of what I'm making. The yeah, company is making it, uh, except for we do have to pay payroll taxes. Got it, got it. So what's the percentage, I guess, increase that you ch- for, for labor, the cover labor? What the is, percentage is increase. So what percentage are you, I don't know why I'm struggling with the words. So if you're paying, so like what what percent, is there like a fixed percentage? Like we mentioned earlier, like Chicago is more expensive because the cost of living is yeah. more expensive up there. Um but is there like a like a, a, a standard like a percentage that's out there? No, no, okay. no. There's not. The only thing that's standard on a, on a catering um, when you're doing a catering proposal, most people will multiply it times three. We just multiply the cost of goods three point five. So that's you know, it, it. And then sometimes you look at it and you go, if I went to a restaurant and I had that menu, what would I pay? Yeah, uh, I'm up in the price. There's something else I think that's important here too, and I know we're called Restaurant Unstoppable. Mm-hmm. We, we talk to caterers. Obviously, you're a caterer. We talk to really like you know. There's so many different. I think it's important to focus on like the fact that I think we're guilty of like rinse and repeat. Like we just see what other people have done and we go go oh. and do the same thing. But there's so much opportunity in food and beverage uh, that people just never consider because they're never exposed to it. Uh, Talk to us about the, the the power of just choosing a lane, though. So, like, you could be a restaurant that also does catering, but why did you choose just to do catering? And you said something that I think is kind of key is that we'll always beat the restaurant. Yes, because we, we always would beat the restaurant because we knew more about the client and what they needed, okay. whereas a restaurant did not. Spread thin. Yes. They're, they're trying to run a restaurant and do something And they're just the going to do that on the side. It's an so, afterthought. Yeah, so if you're going to really do it, hire somebody that's in charge of it. Now, uh, And you know, always use the illustration. Oh, you you want to get a hold of us to do catering, and you give them the main restaurant number, and then this woman calls at four thirty on a Friday, and she wants to talk to someone about catering. You go, and some sixteen year old says, "Oh, sorry, we're busy. You know, can you call the manager on Monday? Click, she's going to call somebody else. She wants an answer now. Yeah, and you just gave away a five thousand dollar party. Yeah. So I think the, the at the root, the answer is. This isn't an afterthought. This is Serious. find somebody who's full time and they're a part of your staff. They're in charge of catering. Yes, that they that can do that. So what yes. about the hierarchy? Like, wh- like what is the hierarchy for caterer? Like, what are the different roles? The 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 titles. The what does that look like? Like, but I'm I don't understand. I don't know. Like, uh, so like in the restaurant, you have the executive chef, you have the oh. sous chef, you have the like. Is there are there different titles? Are there are there roles lanes that should be clear? No, not really. You just have a catering. You, some people have a catering salesperson. Some people have catering, if that's what you're asking. Okay, yeah. we, we call our catering director. You know, sales has never done well for us. Yeah. <laughs> Ours is word of mouth, you know. So there's not really a so lot of hierarchy. Catering sales, catering director. Is it yeah. the sales and director different? No. So is there like an operations person who's like, okay, you sold the catering event, but the catering director is in charge of... Making sure it happens like the client wants. Got it. Got yes. It. Yes. What haven't we talked about? Because uh, I'm, I'm trying to squeeze as much out of you as possible in the time we have together. Uh, we do have. I want to respect uh, our mm-hmm. evening uh, and your time. So, is there anything we have not discussed that you think we should discuss? Um, one thing is is, is don't just 
do something because somebody else is doing it. And here's my illustration of that. I always use this illustration of, oh, I'm going to do box lunches, a restaurant is. And and so you'll go, how much are you going to charge for your box lunches? And you go, oh, Google, and you get get the guy down the street. He's charging seven eighty five for a box lunch, and you're going to say, okay, I'll do eight. My, my question to you is, how do you even know he's profitable? Why are you copying him? This is exactly what got, and I'm going to say, I'm generalizing, but the, the restaurant industry in, in so much trouble is because nobody ever did costing and menu engineering. They just said exactly what you said what's the person down the street charging let's just be less expensive so people come here and that's the that's why this industry isn't a problem i if i can point to one thing it's that it's because we never talked to each other we never shared information about how to do it right how to be profitable and we just try to undercut each other and we are paying the the we are the what's the word i'm looking for it like we're paying the price. Yeah, you're paying the price. And I yeah. always used to ask a question when I would speak. I would say, what is the net What is the net profit that you should be having? What is the national uh, net average net profit for a restaurant? If you had 100 people sitting there, maybe two would know. And so I would look at, look at them and say, oh, my gosh, shame on you. Because if you don't even know what the average is, what's your goal? How do you even know what you're working for? Yeah. And so it's not trying to be rude to somebody. It's just like I always say, I was at 1.6 million. I wasn't making a dime. So something's wrong yeah. and you can change it. Yeah. I'm not going to ask what you're grossing today, but I am curious. Where is your percentage? Uh, oh, uh, about uh, about 21%. Wow. Yeah. Yes. And this is all hinges on what? On what? Systems. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just, I think a good way to wrap up today's call, because again, um, you you know, Restaurant Systems Pro put me in touch with you. I mm-hmm. said, you got to talk to Sandy. She's amazing. She's mm-hmm. very knowledgeable, and you have been. This has been very oh, valuable. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Restaurant Systems Pro today isn't what it was when you got started. What is it today? Today, it's it's all-encompassing. Like, okay. we just had a session today that's kind of uh, for new things that we can't even talk about. Yeah, I know. Uh, that, are, that it will be revolutionary to the to the restaurant owner. So, to, if I had to do one system, and I'm not paid anything, you know, I pay to be, uh, to have uh, that particular software, is that I would, it's all-encompassing, it's all-in-one. I don't think you're ever going to find anything else where all of the things that you need to be a successful profitable restaurant are in one place. Yeah. So when Sandy started with Restaurant Assistance Pro, it was pen and paper. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, here's a floppy disk, download these documents, print them out, and here's the system, here's the process. Today, it's all digital. Mm -hmm. There's software around Mm -hmm. this. Um, And when you started, there was three systems that yes. you would learn on mm-hmm. the now there's a board with 80 systems yes. on it. Yes. So it, it's a very it's much it's much more robust now. It's much more accessible now. It's evolved to to make sense in today's world. Mm-hmm. And uh it's a great I've been the more I I get to know the people Fred, Fred yeah. the people behind Restaurant Assistance Pro, Gino, Peter, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, and I, I kind of feel guilty saying names now because I'm not going to be able to think of everybody. Yes. Uh, but they give an F. Yes. And, and you get community behind mm-hmm. it too. And it's, Plus it's, great support. And it's restaurant people. Yes. Uh, so they get the, the support. They know what it's like. They, they don't empathize. There. They sympathize. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a great organization. They're growing like crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they care more mm-hmm. than anybody that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, so... With that said, mm-hmm. uh, if we enjoy today's conversation, yes. well, first let me ask you this: Who do you respect 
and admire in the, the, the industry, whether it be catering or food or restaurants, who's somebody you respect and admire, who you think I should get on the show? Oh, you need to have Kathleen Wood on the show. I love Kathleen, Kathleen Wood, <laughs> and she's been on the show. Uh, oh, she she is incredible. She, she spent an hours with me, helping me find my one thing. Um, oh. So, yes, I, I will. So, you don't have yes. to say anybody else, but we will reinforce, reinforce those episodes. Yes. And uh, how can we connect with you if we found value and maybe we want to, I don't know. Um, oh, you I mean know. email? Call Join me. your team? Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah, Sandy at festivekitchen.com. Beautiful. It's very easy. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. There, You're welcome. There is no questioning, Sandy. <laughs> you are unstoppable. Oh, thank you. Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Sandy Corum, thank you so much for coming on the show and going deep into the world of catering. And uh, that's, that's a vertical we don't talk about enough on the show. And you gave some really great, detailed, specific pieces of advice and wisdom. So tons of awesome stuff. Thank you so much. And if you're enjoying this podcast and you want more episodes just like this one we need your support there's a ton of ways you can support the show as you're listening to this i am back from um, about a week and a half of travel we were in dallas for a week and then i uh, had a day back home where i basically just did laundry and packed for the next trip and i was on the road again spent three days in new york city and uh finally dug myself out of the whole of work that developed while I was gone and uh, we're planning for the next trip. So uh, if you know somebody in Miami, which is where we're headed next, we're going to be there from February 20th to the 24th. We would love some tips. Anybody, if you know people who are badass operators in Miami, uh, they're, they're challenging the status quo. They're, you know, really existing to add value to their communities they're they're profitable they're they're willing to share their knowledge if if names are coming into your head we want to know those names comment or direct message us over at instagram at restaurant unstoppable podcast you can shoot me an email at eric at restaurant unstoppable.com and uh just love those leads uh we're paying attention and then if you want to support the show in other ways there's you know, so many ways you can support the show. You can support our sponsors. You can use our affiliate links. You can come hang out over at Restaurant Unstoppable Network, where I'm connecting you, my listeners, with the people that we're getting on the show and the tools and services they're recommending organically on the show. Uh, just head over to restaurantstoppablenetwork.com. And we cannot wrap it up without saying thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Thank you to Jared Parisi over at Sumadre Podcast for his copy and his editing and thank you to sam hall over at sav and sam.com for his social media and his videography it takes an army it takes a tribe we're slowly building ours here at restaurant stoppable and i could not be more grateful for these people that's it for today until next time peace out